Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 45. I'm George. I'm Tom. And I'm Peter. And boy, it sure doesn't seem like it, but this is our seventh anniversary. Man, time flies. It, it does not seem like it. Well, it isn't for me. It's my fifth anniversary, because I came along a little bit later. Well, five years is a long time with us, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, it is. I'm surprised <laughs> you can deal with us that long. And we've, we've never done this before, but we're going to go back and take a look at some of the highlights over the past seven years. Some of the things we liked. Now, uh, of course, there's just, boy, there, there's too much material to cover, isn't it? I mean, that's like, what, 45 hours or better. Yeah, mm -hmm. ex exactly. Yeah, it is. So we're, we just picked out uh, some of the things we liked here, and uh, we thought, uh, we're worth repeating, and we won't put you through all of yeah, it. Yeah, It'll so just be some uh, short clips here. Yeah, some and of it's funny. Some of it's some of the uh, shows with the most hits. Yeah. Uh, and gentlemen, yeah. I can't help but notice that there's some goodies sitting on your table there. Maybe uh, what's all that about? Well, uh, funny you should mention that, Peter. This <laughs> is a complete HF station, and mm. I don't know. I don't need it. Do you, Tommy? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, you well. Do I need it? <laughs> no, I don't know if I need it. It's, it's very nice though. Someone's going to be uh, mighty happy when they get it. Yeah, thanks to uh, ICOM, MFJ Enterprises, Howl Sound, Gordon West Radio Schools, and Wireman Cable, we're going to give away a complete HF set to someone here. We'll tell you a little bit more about how you could win later on in the show. And you certainly want to stay tuned for that because it's going to be a, an easy contest. There's no big qualifications, mostly just that you're a U.S. amateur. Oh, you but left out the, you left out a sponsor there, George. Uh, this uh, Mr. George Thomas, who's also oh, donating yes. a couple of PL two fifty nines. I am for my private stock. Yeah, I'm gonna throw in a pair too. It's gonna be hard for me to give these bad boys up, but yeah, it just shows how much I like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get started here and uh, and get on to it. You know, uh, back in episode one of AmateurLogic.tv, we didn't really know what we were doing, did we, Tommy? No, no, we did not. Sometimes, sometimes we're inclined to think that we still don't know what we're doing. Well, and, <laughs> and that's a good observation. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> but uh, at that point, Jim was really not... Uh, a regular member of the crew, if you could say regular member, because we were just starting. But Tommy and I had decided to do the program. And Jim was running a little Wi-Fi business at the time, and we wanted to go out and take a look at that. Now, if you'll notice in the background, you can see the uh, leaves blowing on the trees pretty hard. That's because Hurricane Katrina was on the yeah. way. Mm. How high am I? Well, right now you're at the 20-foot level. Each tower section is 10 feet long. Actually, you're not quite at 10 foot because our first section is 4 foot in the ground, so I guess that would make it at 16 feet. However, if you want to climb to the top, you're going to have to go about another 120 feet. And that was back in the ponytail days. That was. You know, <laughs> I've had a little, a few inches fall off since then. Yeah, you should have got one of those clip-on ones and left it on for the show. Uh, you know, I thought about getting hair extensions just for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually found that, that clip quite interesting because I'd never really thought about uh, how uh, you get internet into a rural area. It just never occurred to me that, because uh, I'm used to the city and used to people stringing up cables and that uh, outside my home, 
uh, I, I imagine it would be quite challenging to uh, uh, to to put up uh, internet in a rural area. And actually, you know, seven years ago when Jim did that, it was in a uh, metropolitan area, uh, or I don't, I guess we'd call it metropolitan. Sure. It's a little town of ten to twenty thousand people. And there was not even DSL there at the point. Yeah. And that's why he went into that business. Yeah, it's a suburb. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's kind of where that went. Eventually, AT&T moved in with DSL, and business kind of <laughs> went down the tubes yeah. and he got out. Yeah, nothing lasts forever. Well, what are we going to look at next, Tommy? Uh, man, in episode two... We, uh, that's when we kind of introduced ourselves to all the viewers, told how we all met, all that good stuff. My name's Jim Burrell. I started out in broadcast initially, worked that uh, little career for about 15 years, and finally figured out the money was elsewhere. Uh, (laughs) uh, Went on to work in computers and have done a little stint and network security at the enterprise level. Uh, Progressed on, I guess you would say, to... uh, uh, systems uh, engineering. Some of my favorite OSs are Mac OS X, Linux, Windows. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, just about enjoying anything with computing, especially networking, and uh, how you can tie those things into everyday real-time appliances and other gear. How you can make computers talk to that stuff. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just a transition from the radio career, really, if you look at it, and the fact that everything's communications. That's true. Very true. I started out as a disc jockey in the 1970s while I was going to high school and college. And like Jim, I realized that the money just wasn't in that career. So I studied electronics in college, and uh, I got out and made a career of being a radio and television engineer. And was in the business for about 30 years. And also, uh, during that period, I got into computers. And that's basically what I do today is um, uh, one of the owners of a company that produces uh, software products for radio stations. We both worked early on at the same place in our early on in our broadcast career. And as a, it just so happened, George trained me as a disc jockey. And this is back in the. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> back in a decade that we won't mention. Uh, we'll really date ourselves then. We're also both uh, semi-pro musicians. We've played for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played professionally for a number of years now. Pro and semi. <laughs> <laughs> so I helped Jim get into radio, and he helped me get into computers. And then sometime, oh, during the late 80s, I posted a message on a bulletin board looking for some other programmers in town. And I had one reply, and that was from Tommy. And that's when we became acquainted and started programming together and eventually formed a company together that produced software products. And we still occasionally work together today. Yeah, that's been a long time ago. It sure has. And we worked on a few products together. Uh, Most of them were amateur radio-based things at first. a uh, repeater database program for amateur radio repeaters where it actually had a graphical interface and you could drive the car over the maps and it would show you the repeaters that you were in the area for. Uh, we also did some programming utilities, a uh, quick compile program for optimizing your uh, compile options when you generate your executables. Pretty geeky stuff. Yeah, um, but necessary at the time. Definitely. 
Uh, we also moved on after that and formed the company like he was uh, talking about earlier. We specialize mostly in products for broadcast industry. Um, those things were a lot of fun to work with. Yeah, I, I still enjoy it. <clears throat> You're a photographer, too. Yeah, I do some freelance photography for several newspapers in the area. Uh, been published quite a bit. It's a lot of fun. Keeps yeah. me out of trouble. Some. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I'm also still a, a professional programmer. Most of the time I specialize in database applications using Microsoft products, um, although I have done some stuff with some of the open source tools now. And yeah. I do a lot of software for Pocket PC and Windows CE devices as well. And who would have ever thought that one bulletin board message would have led into all this? Really? I mean, you never know what kind of trouble you're going to get into, yeah. do you? There's a lot of weird people lurking out there on the yeah. BBSs. <laughs> I've got, I've got a question, a uh, more personal question, actually, uh, that came out of that segment. Uh, now, I know that, uh, for example, George, that uh, you're involved with the um, – uh, you've got a company that's uh, involved with the selling of equipment for radio stations and that uh, you've, both of you have got a background uh, working at radio stations uh, as radio – at least as radio engineers. But I one thing that's never sort of really – been discussed very much is your on-air activities. Um, have either or both of you ever actually been DJs and or done any cable TV uh, at any stage? No, I haven't. I've never actually worked at a radio station. I... Well, we did used to do a morning show on two meters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we had anybody listening, though. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> well, in episode three, uh, I guess that was probably our most popular. Oh yeah, by far. Until mm -hmm. this, till forty-four, which is off the charts. Yeah, I think this episode is actually get, episode three is actually getting up somewhere close to a hundred thousand YouTube views, and that's not even counting the downloads uh, off the uh, off our website. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, we lost the numbers from the first year of the show. We don't know how many downloads we had because we. Changed at hosting providers, and we, we lost all the uh, tracking data. So there, there's no way we could know all of the downloads of the real early episodes. But, you know, we got into this when uh, nobody else, well, very few people were doing this. And uh, certainly no one was doing it for ham radio. Yeah. And I don't think uh, Leo had even started the Twit Network at this point. Mm, uh, mm. No, he was still know. Tech TV. Yeah, so it, it was very early on. It just seemed like something that was going to be fun. and. And we got into it. And uh, speaking of fun, there was, you know, some things Kevin Rose and some of the other shows back then used to do. And that kind of gave Jim and I an idea. Today we're celebrating episode three of AmateurLogic.tv. Must say, George, I like your style. Thank you, Jim. Ah, fine grape. Yeah. you like a little more? Suits my palate perfectly, yes, thanks. <laughs> we have a special use for this can today. That's right. We're going to make a cantina. And not just any cantina. This one's got a little twist from the rest. We call this one the active cantina. Tommy, I'm feeling a little thirsty. How about you? I like your style. <laughs> what about you, Peter? Are you thirsty too? Oh, I think I could probably have a drop of this, uh, what is it, uh, Wolf Blast Red Label Australian Tawny. 
if it's Australian, it's got to be good. Well, I've got a Mueller here from Russian River Valley. And I'm thinking this is a California wine. I'm not sure. I got this bottle of wine from Gordo when we were at the uh, Twit Open House. I do need something to drink. I'm getting, you sound thirsty. I'm getting parched. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, I'm more of a connoisseur of the, the type of wine that has a screw on top. And I, or a box. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, Boy, maybe we can get this open. Mm, we mm. we debated before we started here as to whether or not we would need a corkscrew, and we figured, well, with Cordell's style, you know, this this is probably going to need a corkscrew to open it. Boy, I can't get it. We open. may have to continue that in episode forty-six. Yeah. <laughs> I probably should have had a knife or something, you know. But uh, here we go. All right, and we just happen to have a corkscrew. I am not a master at operating this thing, though, so do not laugh too hard. Me? A any of you, <laughs> especially the people watching. Cause <laughs> Peter, I guess you've already got yours poured there. Hey, indeed, and um, already sampled it. It's rather nice. <laughs> oh, dear. I think I'm going to need this to get all the way through to episode 45. <laughs> there we go. All right. We're going to make a canton out of the bottle? Um, a wine tenner. Wine tenner. A bottle tenner? Yeah. Yeah. As we go through, you've got to drink a glass for every episode. should be very funny by the, by the end. Thank you, George. I like your yeah. style. Uh, why don't you uh, check the bouquet there, Tommy? I, yeah. Well, I, I, I hadn't had wine in about, I can't even tell you when. Yeah, yeah. I'll sit this down here it on the floor good. where it's It safe. doesn't smell like the grape juice, though. No, it doesn't smell like well juice. good. Yeah. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Peter. Cheers, Peter. Yep. Here, here's for 45 more episodes. Yep, indeed. Hmm. Very nice. Yes. You know, the the last episode uh, we just watched, episode three, Jim and I had that little skit on the beginning there, and that was a lot of fun to do. And there was another podcast going on back at that time, wasn't it, Tommy? Yeah. That, that we were kind of friends with. Yeah, we kind of met those guys on the internet uh, to show. <laughs> to show. To yeah. show. And they... Uh, they volunteered to do a little opening clip for us, and here's what we got. Okay, turn it a little bit more to the north. All right. I'm starting to pick up something. How's that? I don't believe it. Good. Hey, y'all come look at this. I'm Lindland. I'm Jay Hood. We're from Tishow. We're joining you from lovely Chicago, Illinois right now. Check us out on Tishow.org. Right now you're watching AmateurLogic.tv. Well, George, uh, Tommy, uh, I, I see lots of those TVs on my curbside for our hard waste collection. 
uh, because they uh, people are always upgrading to LCDs, and uh, uh, so there's plenty more to uh, to smash up. Yeah, you know, I really didn't know how to take that, Tommy, because they said you're watching AmateurLogic.tv, and then they started beating the yeah. TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, anyway, then when they sent Jimmy's monitor back, he couldn't get it put back together. Yeah, you know those guys <laughs> had a, a few episodes out. I think they were maybe in high school or something. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think they they had another show after that called Tech Centric, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure how many episodes of that produced. Uh, I I don't think they're doing it anymore. We haven't heard from them in a few years. They're not. I actually tried to look them up when, when I was looking at these old clips, and, and they're pretty much gone. Yeah. You know, Tommy, um, when when we were preparing for episode five there, and uh, you were talking about the histograms there, I totally misunderstood uh, what you were talking about. I thought this was some kind of medical procedure. Yeah, it wasn't hysterectomies. <laughs> that didn't come on until like episode 10 or later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when, when we started the amateur gynecologist <laughs> courses. <laughs> Better have another drink. That's the other show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you want the snow to be white, you're actually going to have to increase the exposure on your camera. Take the picture again and check the histogram. You don't want to have clipping, but in a scene that's predominantly white, you're going to want most of the data over onto the right-hand side of the histogram. In the beginning, you know, we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do, and we didn't know that this was uh, necessarily going to turn out to be an amateur radio show. And uh, Tommy's big in photography, so we said, hey, why don't you bring us some photo tips? Yeah, it was fun. And I honestly got a lot of comments, and every now and then I actually get people asking to do some more of them, but it doesn't really kind of fit with the, the theme these days. But we did uh, computer things, amateur radio before, kind yeah. of variety. Yeah, we did whatever we could to fill out near an hour, and we would have trouble coming up with 45 minutes some shows, but yeah. we, we have trouble keeping it under an hour now. I guess it was episode 10, Tommy. You had moved to Missouri, hadn't you? Yeah, I did. And we were trying to figure out a way that we could work Tommy into the show easily. And uh, here's what we came up with. And now, through the Magica Echo Link, we're going to go to Tommy in Missouri and see what he's got for us this month. Tommy, is it as windy up there as it is here? No, it's not too windy right now, Jim. It was yesterday. Um... We generally get the bad weather about a day before you guys do, so expect it to kind of cool off a little bit tomorrow if it's the case like it normally is. This month I'm going to have some interesting stuff on photo tips. Um, as I mentioned in last episode, we had a few requests, so I'm going to take care of one of those this month, and we're going to do some nighttime photography and uh, show you some of the pitfalls and things to watch out for that and learn that it's not exactly an exact science. Um, so we'll give you a little bit of an education in how to how to make some pretty neat pictures at nighttime. Oh, okay. Does that mean we're going to see some of those like two mile long cartel light yeah. photos? You'll have to watch the episode to see what it is. Uh, I think you'll kind of think it's kind of neat. I know I do. Well, sounds like he's going to keep us in suspense, Jim. Let's just go ahead and watch it. Shut up, boo! <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I came up with that idea from, I, I guess, watching David Letterman or Jay Leno or whoever was doing 
Maybe it was Conan O'Brien. Somebody had a segment on their show like that. Yeah, and, Conan O'Brien used to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that was actually my lips there, uh, superimposed on Mr. T. I didn't know what Tommy was saying. I was just kind of moving them, and every now and then it looked like they were insane. Yeah, it actually was pretty good. And you know, that's first. That's kind of groundbreaking because that's the first show I actually had a stunt double. Yeah, it is, and I think it's the only show any of us ever had a stunt double. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode eleven is was a, um, I guess, one of the highlights when uh, Jim kind of got a new. Um, what would you call it? He found his fame, man. He he got more than 15 minutes of fame out of this one for sure. Whoa, okay. Uh, Try not to hit your your propane torch. (laughs) (laughs) We're kind of skipping around through these. We're, We're not able to have something from every episode here because the show would just run too long. But, uh, yeah, Jim is, um, Kind of famous for that torch now, and uh, we we've gotten good mileage out of that. Yeah, and Jim is not with us here, by the way, today. You know, Jim is what kind of in and out of the show, and uh, right now he's uh, taking a hiatus. Maybe we'll see him again one day. Yeah, yeah, he said he wants to take a little time off. Yeah, so uh, we we still talk to him on two meters all the time. So uh, if any of you want to rag him about coming back. Feel free to, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what we did last time, and he came back. Yeah, I, I got to say, uh, Jim's segment certainly has inspired me um, in, in in a kind of a different area. I've I've looked at uh, the way that uh, he um, removed those components, and uh, I just keep thinking of all the damage you must be doing to them when you're actually heating them up like that. And it's actually I've actually toyed with the idea of using electrolysis as a better means of actually um, somehow removing solder from circuit boards. It's something I'm going to experiment probably with at some stage, but uh, I think it would be a much gentler way <laughs> of uh, getting the components out. Yeah, I kind of question that myself. Would they be uh, worth having after you got them off the board with that torch? But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you ever used any of those parts or not. I don't know. Uh Episode 13, we met this fellow from down under, didn't we, Tommy? <laughs> Yeah. Do you mind if I give a little bit of history? Because I want to pay a bit of credit to a friend of mine, actually, uh, as to my involvement here. Um, to give you a bit of background, look, you probably don't know a lot about me, um, but uh, uh, my interest in, I suppose, radio goes back to when I was about 20, and I had a short stint on a local community radio station uh, with a program of my own, and I was introduced to the wonders of things like cart machines. And then um, I sort of became a ham radio around, I think, 91, 92. And uh, I had an interest in shortwave radio before that. And um, what happened was that one of the things, we have a local amateur TV station here in Melbourne. And uh, it's run by a a chap called uh, 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 Peter VK3, Peter Cossens VK3 BFG. And uh, he maintains that and uh, we, we can watch video through that. And so uh, thanks very much to the help of uh, Peter, um, I was able, with his help, to actually build my own amateur TV station. And uh, I soon ran into a problem. I had no content, and I really wanted to put some kind of educational content. You can't put 
uh, entertainment up on the uh, ATV repeater. So I started looking around on the internet and I came across this show called Amateur Logic and there were 12 episodes and they were in a bit of a hiatus. I thought this is quite interesting and uh, so I ended up uh, getting in contact with uh, George and I think Tommy uh, back uh, on Echolink uh, around that time and uh, suggested, oh, maybe I could put a segment together. Now, I didn't have a camera, and I actually at first was thinking of doing it with a webcam, of all things. Uh, but then I soon realised that I really need to get a proper camera, so I went out and uh, I got a camera. Now, I actually thought I was only going to do one segment. But the next thing I know, I was being roped into co-hosting, <laughs> and uh, I've had this regular schedule of producing a, uh, a segment uh, uh, every month, and uh, so we kicked off with that uh, that first episode, uh, episode thirteen for me, uh, with a uh, a segment about a local ham fest uh, down that was the Moorabbin and Districts Radio Club, which is one of the larger clubs in Melbourne. Yeah, that that was a lot of fun, and you know uh, that was good timing because we needed one more host, and and there he was, so he was nominated just overnight. Yeah, you got drafted. <laughs> uh, look, it's 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 been great, and the um, it, it it's really good because I actually have got gotten to see what your ham fests are like, and likewise, what I, I I've been able to show what our ham fests are like, and it's very it's very interesting. The culture is very similar, and the kind of things that you see at ham fests are very similar here in Australia as well as in the US. I'm sure the same applies in other countries as well. Yeah, and you've brought a, another, you know, flavor to the show because, uh, you know, you don't speak uh, good uh, Queen's English like Tommy and I. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, we're, we're glad you came on board, Peter, and it's been a lot of fun. And we always get a lot of comments about, uh, yeah, that guy you got from Australia. So Yeah, uh, he's been a great well, fit. I'm also very cognizant um, of uh, the fact that if you go back historically, Australia and the US have had a, a pretty close relationship. We fought under quite a number of wars together and whatnot. And, um, you know, so uh, we have a long history of people, um, particularly in the entertainment industry, going over to the US to make it big over there. And we watch a lot of your TV over here. So we're, you know, we're fairly close as countries. Uh, and so it's great to be able to work with you guys and, and produce something that's of interest to people around the world. Yeah, well, thanks. Um, you know, we were looking for something to do in episode 14. It was field day. And uh, I think your field day is a little different down there, Peter. But here, you know, yeah. we go out and we, we set up and we exercise our equipment and our skills and, mm -hmm. and try to see how many contacts we can make. And in the true amateur logic style, uh, I came up with a segment that uh, I think we got a good bit of mileage out of. Oh, yeah, it was great. I have an uh, amateur rig that will operate off 12 volts. Why couldn't I just operate it off the uh, lawnmower here and use it as an emergency generator? Let's run the engine on up a little faster. Uh, it's headed towards 16 volts. Now that might be a little bit high to uh, go operate in a radio phone. Okay, 7-3. Have a good contest. You know, when I did that, Tommy, I was serious. I was thinking, hey, this is a good electrical generator that a lot of people have, and you could use an emergency. I did not realize the comedic value of yeah. it. <laughs> oh, it. 
It has a lot of that, but it actually <laughs> was a good idea too, though, because I honestly I'd never really thought about it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a generator and a battery sitting right there. Why yeah. don't you use it? It's a good idea. I'm not sure how I came up with that idea. Just I don't know. Maybe that was more in the art or something. Yeah, bump bump the head, something. Yeah. <laughs> in episode 15, we uh, we got a little more technical. I uh, I built my first soft rock receiver. I'd actually had it for a few months. Jim bought a couple of these kits and he gave me one, and then they sat on the shelf for I don't know how long. And I was looking for something to do for that uh, particular episode, and I said, hey, I've got this thing over here. Let's give it a shot. Today, we're going to build a software-defined radio. I believe all the solder has melted at this point. There we go. And it, it doesn't look bad. None of the components jumped out of place. I think we may have had success here on the first attempt. And the front contains all the other components. That's one of our most popular shows as well. It, it was, and uh, you, you know, that's a good little receiver. You know, it's a it's a great project. It's it's a little work doing that surface mount mm. stuff, but it's not impossible. All you need is uh, thicker glasses. Yeah, mm, and a plate yes. and a plate warmer and a hot air gun and one of these right here too. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and well, well, there was kind of a learning that came out of that particular segment, and that is that I think our audience really do like segments where we build something, particularly something that's kind of within the skill of your average uh, hobbyist out there. And uh, so I've noticed that since then, uh, you've actually built uh, both on Ham Nation and on uh, on uh, Amatologic uh, a lot more projects, uh, uh, George. And I, th I think that, the, you know, that our, our audience really enjoy that. Yeah, uh, I think they did too. And uh, it was a great learning experience for me. I'd never done any mm -hmm. surface mount stuff before, particularly with the hot air method. Mm -hmm. And it actually worked. Of course, there were a couple of pitfalls, and we, we showed <laughs> that in there too. So go back and watch that episode if you haven't seen it lately. I, I think you'll uh, you'll get a kick out of it and learn something in the process. And then we had a, a number of more episodes after that. And after episode 22... I think it was about summer break time, and, and we decided we'd knock off in the summer, which a lot of the uh, podcasts were doing back in that time, and and we knocked off for a little summer break. Well, it's been a long time since we've uh, produced an episode here. How how was your uh, summer vacation, Tom? <laughs> it, it was really long. <laughs> yeah, mine was too. And uh, There were some pretty cold yeah. cold spots in there through my summer yeah. vacation. Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, yeah. New Year's. Long summer. <laughs> I didn't think you guys would do it, ever do another show. Well, we we intended to, but, uh, you know, we were having too much fun uh, during the break there. You know, we did some other stuff in episode 23. Uh, Tommy brought us some important product announcements. Radio Shack's recalled some power supplies due to electrocution and fire hazards. Wow. That's not good. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's pretty bad, uh Product information there. Tom. Yeah, that, yeah, that's bit, that's uh, something people really need to know. Yeah, uh, we we haven't done much of that, like you were saying. Uh, maybe maybe we should get back into it a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think we do have another uh, important uh, safety tip here later in the show today. You know, uh, we we were still learning the Australian ways back then at that time, Tommy and. Uh, Peter had a term here. We didn't exactly understand what he was talking about. Well, Peter did a segment for us uh, for this episode, and it's on a warm spot. Like in the pool? Uh -huh. 
Uh, I should point out that most Australians probably wouldn't know what that uh, that term meant either, because uh, I made it up. But it's a uh, it's a derivative, obviously, of a hotspot, but um, it doesn't have internet connectivity. But it, it did occur to me that there was a a need out there for some kind of device that could distribute a uh, a web page just in a local area on a short term basis. And so I thought, oh well, let's see if we can build it. Yeah, you you never know what Tommy's going to come up with when when you uh, come up with these ideas. You better be careful, Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, tell us what we did in twenty four, Tommy. You don't know what we I don't did. have Here's that piece paper. of paper. <laughs> it was so... Oh man, twenty four. That was uh, field day. Yeah, let's uh, let's watch this now when the climber showed up. And one more to caution here: this is a crank up tower, and you should never climb a crank up tower it's just not safe you could lose an arm or a leg or your life or both if it were to suddenly collapse yeah so so don't try this at home wire is unhooked i need it uh i need it loose from the building all the way to the tower yeah you know it was a pretty good fun time we learned a little stuff there and we had a visit from Wayne, our part-time unofficial cameraman who shows up to some of these special events and, and helps us out there. We've got another uh, frequent show guest on here. Come here, Wayne. Just, just step in front and <laughs> hey, say hello. Yeah. You saw him, you just, saw him stick his head in the back just step earlier. Just in the view we were, uh, and wave. Yeah. Again? Yeah. yeah. Again. Yeah, he snuck in earlier. Yeah. I saw him out of the corner of my eye. Oh, there hey, he is. Wayne. <laughs> you know, we still didn't know about Peter and, and the things that were going on in Australia. And they had this uh, high-definition television stuff they were working on down there. That rather made this different to uh, to later systems that came along. Doesn't work, though. Unfortunately, we, it's very, very difficult to photograph the screen of a, essentially a stroboscopic disc. To finish up this segment, and to give you an idea as to just how good the images on a mechanical TV can be, here are a few still images taken of local amateurs and the Maltese Cross. Yeah, that uh, a special thanks to Chris Long, who's a friend of mine, uh, for showing me his mechanical TV, which is now on display at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image uh, here in Melbourne. It's definitely worth going along and having a look at. Uh, both, uh, it was great to look at both from a mechanical perspective but also from a historical perspective because that is what the, the, the first form of TV actually was. Yeah, and, and that was, boy, that was really interesting. Yeah, it was. Great. And uh, see, you know, it's not all smoke and mirrors. You know, sometimes you need a, I don't remember what was in there now, but you need something besides <laughs> but you need it. just smoke and mirrors to make television. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, let's see, where did we go from there? Well, after 24, naturally, it would be 25. And that's when we began something a little bit different. Do you remember what we did in 25, Tommy? Here, I'll give you yeah, Let me see if I can figure it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Camera upgrades. No, actually, no, it wasn't camera upgrade. No. We went widescreen. Yeah, we yeah. found that yeah. in the menu. And, uh, yeah, I- and that was prompted by the fact that I actually went out and bought a, another camera, which was a what I'm currently using at the moment, my Panasonic. I think it's HD CSD1, which is now getting a little dated, but uh, yeah, it, uh, and it's a great camera. I, I, I have to say, uh, the Panasonic range of cameras have been have been very reliable and, and very very good. 
Yeah, and that must have been a Christmas present, Peter, because it was Christmas when we did this episode. Peter, how's everything down under? Things are good there, uh, George and Tommy. It's um, We actually had a heat wave in November for about a week and a half where it was getting close to 100 degrees just about, I would say, every day, but, you know, getting high temperatures anyway. You seem to have had more hair at that point, not necessarily a ponytail, but... <laughs> no, I... No, I always keep it fairly short at number two, but sometimes I let it grow a little bit longer. So it's uh, I know I just hadn't uh, hadn't shaved it at that that point. Yeah, what else did we do in twenty five? Well, I apparently must have got a new Mac for Christmas myself because uh, that's when we explored the Echo Mac. Well, I've really been enjoying my new Mac computers for doing my photography and video projects, but. Some of the main things I've missed about the transition is my amateur radio applications. Ran across a program called Echo Mac, which is a Mac clone for Echo Link. It doesn't have quite the functionality of the native Windows-based one, but it's a it's a nice little program. Yeah, I've never owned a Mac, Tommy. I've got uh, most of my Apple stuff is mobile, like the iPhone and the iPad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy mine. Um, a lot of people make a dual boot them into Windows and stuff, but I've kept mine just straight mine. And, and talking about the Echo Link thing, you know, I do have a Linux computer now, and Peter's got one too. Mm-hmm. That little Raspberry Pi, and we talked about trying to get Echo Link running on there, and I've had some conversations through email with a couple of guys about, uh, I won't say progress, but some work being done toward mm-hmm. that end. We're not there yet. Uh, anybody who would like to uh, help out in that effort that's, you know, got a little experience with uh, Linux and uh, particularly, you know, modifying and uh, compiling this stuff and one thing or another, uh, drop me an email at george at amateurlogic.tv and let's talk about it and see if we can't get a crew together so we can get that Echo Link running on the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, I've got a Raspberry Pi too. You do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you even booted it? Yes, you have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might be interested to know also, guys, that uh, I've uh, just recently successfully installed, I think the program was called GParted, uh, which is a satellite tracking program uh, on uh, the Pi, and it works really well. You can just have your Pi sitting there uh, tracking uh, tracking the International Space Station as it goes around the world. Are you mm. sure that's the right name? I thought GParted was... Uh... Oh, no, uh, maybe I got it wrong. Gee, G- it's G something, but yeah. uh, uh, but look, the, I, I say I do have a, <laughs> a, a program. That. Yeah, um, that, yeah. Um, yeah uh, don't don't run G Party Ed <laughs> expecting to uh, to look at the satellite. <laughs> you may not be able to boot up again. You know, being uh, sort of amateur radio related, I thought it was about time that people knew how to put on a PL two fifty nine properly. At this point, what we need to do is just screw the connector on down on to the outer jacket here until we can see our tinned shield uh, through the holes here and we're ready to solder to it. And we also got to make sure that the center conductor comes out the tip. This show is getting mm. more fun as we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a technical tip there on uh, putting on a PL259, which all hams need to know how to do. But down in Melbourne, apparently they, they tune up their radios different than we do, Tommy. Oh, yeah? Now, the FM 900 is tough. Seriously tough. Ah! 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 No, no! To 
demonstrate how strong the FM900 is, our guest is going to drive over it in the heaviest four-cylinder car known to mankind, the Toyota Camry. And I thought Gordo was rough on his radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, on Facebook, I actually have a, um, a Stig picture uh, as my moniker or what do, what's the term they use? Uh, I forget. Anyway, you, when you look at uh, go to m- uh, my account, you see that. Anyway, I got an email from a, a, a young person uh, saying, are you really the Stig? <laughs> yeah, in 26, uh, I did a little mod on the TS-2000 here. We'll use WinRad for uh, testing of the 12 kilohertz IF mod on the TS-2000. And we'll start the program. I've already selected the sound card and sound parade and all the other options. So we'll start it. And the first thing we notice is it looks like a carrier right here in the center, and we see a, a lower sideband and an upper sideband. We also discussed a little bit about experimental modes. That reminds me of, um, of some experiments that Jim and I did back in the 70s. <laughs> Yeah, there weren't any chemicals involved in well, life. We, this, that's all I can uh, really say without having to shoot you. <laughs> I know people are wanting to know more about this contest that we have going on here. It's AmateurLogic.tv 7th Anniversary Celebration Contest. Who's our sponsors, Tommy? Man, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, we've got uh, ICOM, the Wireman Cable, MFJ. Howl Sound. Howl Sound, right there in front of me. Gordon West and Radio Gordon Schools. West Radio Schools. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate and George Thomas and Tommy uh, Martin. Yeah, <laughs> with our private stock PL259. Somebody is going to win a nice HF setup here. We've got the ICOM IC7200 HF radio, which is a fine rig that Tommy and I have, have both played with before. And if you're going to take something in the woods, man, this would be the one, wouldn't it, Tom? Yeah, it's a it's a very nice rig. Very sure. rugged. Um, you know, I don't think you could go wrong with it. And the price is, is right, too, for mm-hmm. a, a rig in that category. Also, we've got the, uh, the MFJ, uh, let's see, 4230 MV power supply. Mm-hmm. That's a little 30-amp uh, supply uh, switching. It's very small, isn't it, Tommy? Yeah, it is. It's... Uh, it's about uh, half the size of my smallest 30 amp power supply. I yeah. really like it. And below that, uh, you're going to have to have a tuner, or uh, unless you make all resonant antennas. But we've got the MFJ 925 Auto Tuner, which is a, a great little auto tuner. And we've got the cable that plugs it right into the ICOM rig here. So, bam, you just hit a button and your antenna is automatically tuned. Speaking of antennas, We've also got the MFJ 40-meter off-center-fed dipole, and they also sent us an 80-meter version. Now the 40-meter version also does 20, 10, and 6 meters, so you're good to go there on most of the HF bands. And, of course, you're going to need to hook that up. Well, we've got some of the best coax cable here. This is 50-foot of RG213. It's actually enhanced RG213 that you can put these on to. and get your antennas connected. And uh, let's see, also, uh, we've got the fine Heil ICM microphone here, especially designed for ICOM rigs, because 
uh, generally you're going to want a little more audio input from an external mm -hmm. microphone to the uh, ICOM rigs, the, the 7200 here. And this Heil microphone was designed especially for that purpose. And Tommy, what did we decide? You know, when we were thinking about doing this contest, we said, it's an HF station, but what if a technician wins? Well, if you're a technician, then you're going to get, uh, from Gordon West Radio School, of course, a general class licensed study guide. Yeah, and if you're a general, you're going to get an extra class study guide. And yeah. what if you're already an extra? Well, you get a pat on the back. Okay, there you go. <laughs> no more study <laughs> needed at that point. Yeah. So um, let's run over the rules here real quick. To be eligible to participate, you need to be a U.S. amateur radio operator with a U.S. shipping address. And the reason for that is, you know, um, different countries and different regions have different band plans and all. And so a radio designed to be operated in America might not match the band plans of another country. Yeah, it may not be legal. Uh, so to, to keep it legal, it's easiest that uh, we just do this as a U.S. contest. Maybe one day in the future we can get something for some other countries. Yeah, but so. at, at this point, this is uh, you know what we're able to do. Uh, number two, you can only have one entry. Do not send more than one entry or you're going to be disqualified. And if there are any taxes involved with uh, you winning a radio, you'll be required to pay the taxes. The, uh, the sponsors won't. And the winner will agree that we can use his or her call sign on her name in any promotional or news items that are related to the contest. And there's a limit. Certain people can't enter this contest, can they, Tommy? Unfortunately, that's correct. <laughs> and you notice I say unfortunately. So, and who would that be? Well, unfortunately, if you are an affiliate or an employee of AmateurLogic.tv, ICOM America, MFJ Enterprises, Heil Sound, Gordon West Radio School, or the Wireman, uh, you are not eligible to enter. Yep. And so we're, we're keeping it fair here. Only people not associated with us. Yeah. So, okay. so viewers, go for it, man. So what do, they, what do they have to do, and how will they win? Okay, well, here's all they got to do. Just send us an email. Send us an email to contest2012 at amateurlogic.tv, and we want only your call sign in the subject line, so we'll be able to sort through these easily. And then inside the message body, include your name, call sign, class of license, your address, uh, so that we know where to send the prize to. And when can they enter, Tommy? When when does this officially begin? Uh, you can make them starting Monday, October the 15th. And uh, it will end on December the 8th of that's, this that's year. That's a Saturday. Of Saturday yeah. Yep, Saturday. All right. So you got almost two months to get in on the contest there. And here's how we're going to select it. Uh, basically, we're going to take all these emails we're going to um, throw all the names in the hat and then, with a random number, choose the winning entry. You don't have to have any special qualifications other than those that we've listed right here. Right. And uh, we, you know, we're looking forward to giving this great setup to somebody. We wish we could keep it ourselves, but they're not going <laughs> to let us do that. No, it's, unfortunately, that didn't yeah. work like that. So. Yeah, and if for any reason, you know, the... Uh, 
the winner is determined not to be eligible, then we'll just have the drawing again. Yeah. For more information on the contest rules, though, you can go to amateurlogic.tv slash contest and get the complete rules there. Now, this is October 15th. It is. So that means rush to your computer right now and enter. Yeah, and, and perhaps uh, also not everybody out there uh, in ham radio land is uh, necessarily familiar with amateur logic. And so if you've got friends who are amateurs and uh, you might want to mention to them about amateur logic, come have a look at some of the programs that we produced and uh, also get them to enter the, con- uh, the competition as well. Yeah, exactly. Boy, it's been a, uh, a long two shows, Tommy. It has. And but, uh, it's been a fun it, boy, it has been a lot of fun. So much fun that we could not give it to you legally all in one dose. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it could well wind up uh, possibly this is three shows uh, from uh, what, uh, what we're talking off, about off camera. We've got so much material. Uh, it, we'll probably get it in two, but who knows? So anyway, we hope you've enjoyed it and would highly encourage you to tune back in probably, what, maybe in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We'll have out the second half of this uh, 7th anniversary extravaganza. (laughs) So join us then. And, uh, boy, we've had a great seven years, and we really look forward to seeing you all for the next seven. Yeah, for the next seven. Special thanks to the sponsors again, ICOM America, MFJ, Sound, Gordon West Radio School, and The Wireman. And George Thomas and Tommy Martin. Yeah, for the (laughs) private stock PL259s. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, I'll just make the point that 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 whole package is going to make. Um, sorry for the popping. Uh, that whole package is going to make somebody a really really nice Christmas present. Oh boy, yeah, you're right, and that that's part of the reason on the timing here. We wanted to make sure that uh, you know Santa could slip this into someone's stocking. Yep, absolutely. Yep. See you again next episode, which will be number forty six. Yep. Seven three. Seventy three. Ho ho ho. Seventy three.